So good to see everybody. Um, I want to share just briefly, we don't have much time, but uh, share some thoughts um, about righteousness that I think will be really encouraging this morning. Um, so let's, let's pray, and thanks again for your patience. Lord, we just thank you that there is joy in heaven. And there's heaven inside of us. Thank you, Father. Jesus, you said, I leave my joy with you. My joy. Not as the world gives. I leave my joy with you. The joy of knowing God as Papa. Abba. Abba, my joy, my joy, my meat to my drink is to do the will of my Father and to finish His work. I love the Father, and the Father loves me, Jesus said, and He shows me all things. Abba. My joy, I leave with you. To know the Father is to know joy. To know the Father is to know joy. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that's one of the marks of the true Christian faith is joy. Every other religion... There's just no joy. That's why there's a lot of songs in the Christian faith, a lot of singing, and because of joy. It's awesome. I want to share just real briefly some thoughts about righteousness. There's, there's like two camps in the church, in church history, with regard to this righteousness thing. And this is a gross oversimplification, but it just kind of sets the context after the early church began to, centuries passed by and they began to kind of lose the, the cutting edge of the, the simplicity of the finished work of Christ and the, the, the pure gospel of Christ and Christ alone and grace and faith and the simplicity of what Jesus did. Um, after a few centuries passed and, there, and leaven, the leaven of the law creeped in and so forth, we got what um, we got the Roman Catholic Church, we got the Roman Catholicism, and when they talked about righteousness, it was right. It had so been watered down to where righteousness from the Roman Catholic Church was really about works and doing to be righteous. Um, and they had this concept, and still do have this concept, of righteousness being uh, imparted to you, but only imparted to you. Um, as you do, as you work, as you are a good person, and so forth. They are really opposed to any kind of imputed righteousness. Imputed meaning, regardless of your behavior, righteousness is given as a gift, regardless, because of your faith. So the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, 
uh, began to propagate this view of righteousness, which was based on works, obedience. But they did, they did have this other part to their teaching about an imparting of righteousness, impartation of righteousness. In other words, where you actually become more and more righteous as you do good deeds. The problem with that, of course, is that it was, you're becoming more and more righteous as you were doing good deeds, which is impossible. Now, the, the, this, again, this is a great oversimplification, but then the Reformation came, and the Reformation, which means reform to change what's, what's out there, change this Roman Catholic view of righteousness, the Reformers came, and the Reformers said, no, 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 it's not about your doing it all, it's not works, it's all by grace through faith, it is an imputed righteousness, it's a pure gift. You could be an axe murderer, but if you believe on Jesus and what he did, you will be given the very righteousness of God. Martin Luther got the revelation, you know, and that's, it, it gave birth to all the Protestants, Protestant churches, Protestant meaning protest, they protested, they protested the Roman Catholic view of righteousness. So they, all these Protestant churches emerged out of this revelation, this, this revolution, really, of the gospel uh, of justification by faith alone, righteousness by faith alone, and an imputed righteousness. And they totally repudiated this thing of imparting any righteousness by your good deeds. But what they did, they threw the baby out with the bathwater, and they threw, the total, they, t- they threw out this concept of an imparting of righteousness. And they put themselves on the other side of the Roman Catholic Church and saying, no, no, there's no righteousness that's actually imparted. It's all imputed. It's all imputed. It's, gift. it's a gift. It's not, you're not actually righteous. No, it's a gift. The Catholics are saying, no, 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 you can't just receive righteousness as a gift. You've got to do something. And as you do more and more, then you actually become more and more righteous. And anything that's left over is handled in purgatory. That's what they teach. So... But the truth is, and this is where Martin Luther missed it. Martin Luther said that we are just, Christians are just dung covered by snow. We're, just, we're still just as evil on the inside and just as corrupt. We still have an evil heart, but we're covered by snow in the sense that we've, we're covered with the righteousness of Christ. That's what the Protestants believe. That there's really not an inner, I mean, they talk, yeah, born again, but what they believe about born again is really not new creation. New heart. New heart. Protestant churches teach widely that you're basically dung covered by snow. You're, you've got the snow of Christ over you, but you're still dung. You're still working things out and trying to be more righteous. And, and uh, it's, it's very unclear how that all works out. It, somehow it just all works out when you die. They don't really have a good answer for, you know, you can lose fellowship with God on earth. When you die, you're right in his presence. Everything's cool. What's that? So on earth, I can lose fellowship if I sin, but when I die, it's all forgiven, and I'm in his his white, hot, glorious presence with no problem. And yet, I didn't improve any between that time and this time. You know, what's going on? All right. All right. This This is what's so cool. Under the old covenant, before Christ, they had imputed righteousness. Abraham believed and God counted it as righteousness. They had imputed righteousness only. That's why by faith they were declared righteous 
And that's why when they died, the saints of old before Christ, that's why when they descended, they died, they didn't ascend. No man, Jesus said, no man has ever entered heaven except the Son of Man who descended from heaven, which is an awesome statement if you think about this. When Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, no man has ever entered heaven except the Son of Man who's standing before you who has descended from heaven. The father has never had, never, the father never had his children in heaven until Christ came. He was with them in Abraham's bosom, his presence. He was with them, but they couldn't be with him where he is, where he really wanted them to be. The sons, many sons that he wanted to bring into glory could not pass through yet. So they died with imputed faith in the old covenant and they descended to Sheol. Sheol is the word in the Hebrew, you know, and Hades is the word in the Greek, same location. Jesus described it as, as a place where there was a great gulf that divided those, everyone who died went to one of those two places and what determined where they went was a heart of faith or unbelief. God has never, never given heaven to anyone based on their good deeds, never. It's always been based on faith in the heart. And Peter says in Acts, God who knows the heart can see faith in his explanation to the believers in Jerusalem about how the spirit fell on the Gentiles when they didn't say anything or do anything. They were just sitting in the room and he said this, he was talking about Jesus and then he said this one statement, he said, and all who believe on this Jesus shall receive the forgiveness of sins. And the next verse, the scripture says, when he said those words, the spirit of God fell upon them and filled them. Because Peter says to the believers in Jerusalem, he says, God who knows the heart saw faith. And they didn't have to say the word. They didn't have to get baptized. Nothing. God saw. When they heard the word, they saw faith. And God had prepared them because they'd sent an angel first to Cornelius. And the angel said, send for Peter. Cornelius was like, oh, God, okay. And then Peter's coming, and he's got all his friends, his relatives. They're like, whatever you say, it's going to be like God speaking to us. We are not looking you at, look, we're not receiving you as mere men. We're receiving you as from God. That's why they believed instantly which is also a key, saints, to growing in faith. Paul says, when we came to you, you received us not as mere men, but as speaking the word of God, which effectually works in you who believe. Look past the man, look past the messenger, and hear the Lord. It's a key to faith. It works effectually when you receive it as from him. Always, test, always testing the spirits and testing the word and searching the word out. I'm not saying, you know, just receive anything. But when you know God is speaking, receive it as from the Lord. It's a key to growing in faith. Look past the messenger and hear as if the Christ himself is speaking to you. It's powerful. It effectually works in you when you receive it as not from men, but as from God. All right, so here's Peter, and he says, God can see the heart. God can see the heart. And... He sees faith. So what happens? Everybody who dies, God, I don't know how it all works out, but I know that God who can see the heart can see faith. He can see how men respond to the stars, the moon. He can see how, how men respond to the water, how they respond to life, how they respond to, to the creation. He can see, had they heard the gospel, this one would have believed. I won't go too far into that. All right. So what happens... <laughs> 
some things are not to be revealed until the end of time. Because <laughs> um, I don't know the answer either. But, uh, all right, so here's, here's this division. Abraham's bosom, great gulf, and then those who die without faith. Okay, I'm telling you, I'll tell you this much. When we see it all, we're going to say, wow, he was just. He was merciful. And all these people that are saying, well, what about the guy in Africa? What about this? What about that? They're going to be, they're going to see what God did. They're going to go, oh my God, what a fool I have been. I accuse the creator of not being fair and just. Where did I get that sense of fairness and justice? Where did I get that in me? It's a little tiny drop of his image in me when I talk about fairness and justice that came from the creator himself, a drop in the ocean. If I have a sense of justice and fairness, where did that come from? From him. So when you see how he works all this out, we're going to go, oh my God, why did I even question him? And you know, and, and I love that verse where one of the apostles, I think it was Peter, asked Jesus about John. And he said, Peter was like, what about this man, John? You know, because there were, there were rumors that he was not going to die until Jesus came back. That's all in the gospel of John. And Jesus responded to Peter and he said, because the question was, what about this man? It's kind of like, what about the guy in Africa? What about this guy? What about this guy? And this is what Jesus said to Peter, which is a great, awesome statement. He said to Peter, what is that to you, Peter? You follow me. That's all you have to do. We don't have to figure out the cosmos, the cosmos, and how God is going to judge the universe. We don't have to figure out how he's going to handle this man over in Africa or in Asia or whatever. We don't have to figure that out. Jesus says, what is that to you? Are you God? Are you, are you the one that's going to figure this out? He says, the only thing you have to do, Peter, is follow me. You follow me. You'll be okay. I'll be okay. <laughs> and everything else will be okay. And we'll see, we'll see how he works it out. Okay. All right. So anyway, so he divided this this uh, place up. So you had people who died and went, went to Abram's bosom, but they died with imputed righteousness. Imputed, not imparted righteousness, just imputed righteousness. Now, Hebrews 11 says that they had received, the, that they were given the promise, the promise of this, a city built by God, whose foundations are built by God and whose architect is God's handiwork, this realm, this city of God. They were given this promise of life. They were given this, this place, this promise of union with God, all these things, but they did not receive it. Hebrews says that. They did not receive it. They saw it afar, but they did not receive it. It was imputed. It was given to them as a gift for now, but they did not receive it. Hebrews 11 says that they would not be perfect without us. They would not be complete without us. In other words, they would not enter before the Christ, number one. He was the first man to enter heaven. And they would not enter until that which is going to be given to them is going to be given to us, too. Except we'd have it on earth. They'd have it in heaven. A cloud of witnesses saying, we've got it. You've got it. What do they have? What do we got? We have not just imputed righteousness in the new covenant. We have imparted righteousness like the Catholics were trying to say, but they were saying you get it by deeds and works and doing. No, it's an impartation of righteousness by an act of creation. You are not just dung covered by snow. 
You are not just loved by God because as Clark says, he doesn't, Jesus just doesn't cover you with his blood and he puts up with us because he looks at the blood of Christ. But, it, but if he really saw me as I really was, he would not like me at all. That is not the reality. You and I have been raised up in an act, in a moment, in an act of creation. He has literally quarantined the power of sin in these human bodies. The members of our body contain the the infection of sin itself. But the inner man, the inner man, the inner man has been cut away from the body, a spiritual circumcision, and been raised from the dead. A new creation, a new heart. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. You not only have imputed righteousness, which you had to have as a legal basis before he could raise you up. As a legal basis, there had to be the gift of righteousness by faith before he could do the work. He could not just raise us up and wink at sin and sweep it under the rug. There had to be justice. There had to be judgment. There had to be a a reconciliation. There had to be imputed righteousness, which is what Abraham and all of those guys had. But they did not yet have the final work because the son had not yet come to die and be raised again. Isn't that awesome? So now we have both imputed righteousness as the legal ground for the work, for the foundation of the work, but we also have the impartation of righteousness in a new creation. A new man has been raised from the dead, an old man is gone, and a new man has come. Righteousness which they did not have, but they do have now. In the twinkling of an eye, in Sheol, in Abraham's bosom, in the twinkling of an eye, they were transformed, the spirits of justified men made perfect. Zion, Mount Zion, the spirits of justified men made perfect and in a moment when he descended, when the work was done, they too were, 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 they were transformed in a second in the twinkling of an eye and they were taken from that realm into the earthly realm. Some actually appeared on earth and said to their relatives, he's the one, he has released us from Abraham's bosom, he has released us from Hades and they disappeared, the scripture says, and went on to the heavenlies. They, the father, welcomed the son who was the first to come and then the son followed by the host of sons unto glory, the Father for the first time welcomed the sons into heaven. Hallelujah. It's awesome. And that's why, that's why the first, when we're absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, we now have a cloud of witnesses that say, you can do it because it's not you doing it. Just believe. Believe. He's done it. He has done it. Believe. And He has not only just given us the gift of righteousness, but He has made you righteous. He who had no sin was made to be like sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He made us righteous. You talk about doing wonders for your self-esteem. It's not just a gift. It's not just a gift in the sense that you know, God's covering you because he, he really can't stand to look at you, but he covers you with the blood. No. He has made us new in his, in his own image. And it's true. The new creation has no past. It's impossible. It's impossible for God to join himself to that which has a past, an evil past. It's impossible. It must have no past. It must have no sin. It must not have the cap- capacity to sin. And this new creation... First John says, the seed of God abides within you and you cannot sin. First John, the new man cannot sin. A partaker of the divine nature, it is impossible. He made it impossible. You have something better than Adam. Better than the angels. 
No, you're not. You shall judge angels. You are the sons and daughters of God from resurrection. You are the new creation. It's awesome. And so as we grow in this awareness of an imputed righteousness and an imparted righteousness, we find our destiny of who we are. And we live in this whole other mindset as sons and daughters of God. God is our dad and we his kids. For when you and I put off this body, there is nothing more he will do to prepare you for his presence. Nothing. There's nothing that can be done. Nothing. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. There is no purgatory to get you cleaned up. And there is no quick work by God to get you fit for heaven just at the moment of death. And physical death, we know, adds nothing to our righteousness. Mere physical death. That's the putting off of the shell. And mortality shall put on immortality. This, is, it's, that, it's so awesome. That's why Paul said, the outer man is dying daily. The body is decaying. But the inner man, the new creation, the perfect creation, is being renewed every day like a water, like a fountain. Jesus said this. I love this. He said to the woman at the well, he said, if you would drink what I'm saying to you, the water you drink will become in you a spring. You can talk of him to unbelievers if they drink of your words and believe the water they're drinking will become in them a spring through new birth, through the new creation. You see, every time you speak of him, it's water. They're drinking water from you. If they happen to believe what you're, if they take it in and believe what you're saying about him, they too will be touched by him and raised And a spring will be placed within them in union with him. He is the fountain. He is the union. Out of their innermost being shall flow rivers of living water in union with him. It's awesome. So the body is decaying every day. But the new man is being renewed. The body, Paul says, is dead because of sin. It's dying. But the spirit, the new man, is alive because of righteousness. Real, 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 real righteousness. I mean, real righteousness. That's why you can, go, you can go boldly into the presence of God. Because this is not a legal fiction. This is not just a play on words or some mind game God's playing. He raised a new being. After his own image. We go boldly to the throne of grace. Grace, not judgment. To find help. To, find, to receive mercy. To find grace to help in time of need now. Complete access 24-7 to the Father. We, we have access through Christ to the Father by one spirit, Paul said. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We are righteous in him. And because of him. He's in us. We're in him. As he is, so are we in this world now. That's awesome. 
And my little brother, uh, Robert, texted me last night. It was so cool. He said, he said, do you realize that he had to ascend before he could, could take the place of the high, he could, before he could take his position as the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He, he, that had to be in place because he could not be a priest on earth. Hebrews says, had he, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all because he's a heavenly priest from the spiritual realm, from the other realm. So he had to ascend to fulfill his destiny as the priest after the order of Melchizedek, which is superior to the Levitical priesthood. It is a final work for all sin, for all people, for all time. And then my brother text, he said, that means. <laughs> I'm like going, wow, that'll preach. <laughs> I said, that'll preach, man. And that's what I'm doing right now. And then he said, and then my brother texted and he said, and that means that we, priests, after the order of Melchizedek, find our destiny only because you're in the heavens, seated with him. You have no priestly authority if you're still on earth. None, as he had none, for a purpose. Your priestly authority, your, your priestly authority, for we are a nation of priests, royal priests. You have priestly authority to bring the work of Christ, the bread and wine that Melchizedek brought to Abraham, bread and wine. You have priestly authority only because you are also in the heavens. That's awesome. Whew. A royal, heavenly priesthood. And what do you do? You bring... The revelation of him, bread and wine. That's what Melchizedek brought Abraham. Calling people to faith, to believe. And you have authority from the Christ. He said, whoever sins you forgive, they shall be forgiven. You can and what he means by that is you can declare to anybody on earth that if you will believe on this Christ, I have authority from heaven. I have authority from God himself to tell you something. I have authority from God himself to tell you something. That if you believe on this Jesus... You shall receive the forgiveness of all your sins. And I have authority from heaven also to say that if you do not believe on this man, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, if you do not believe, your sins will not be forgiven and you will die in your sins. I have authority from the throne to tell you that. As a priest, after the order of Melchizedek. Awesome! So we have imputed righteousness, we have imparted righteousness, we have the whole picture, we have the whole package, it's done. Sealed. Sealed. And now we are witnesses of the kingdom for the word of this kingdom, the word of the good news of this kingdom shall go forth as a witness to all the world and then shall the end come. We're not trying to do anything other than tell people what's been done. Witnesses, witnesses, and you shall be my witnesses. Whoever, you be whoever believes shall be forgiven, and whoever does not believe shall not be forgiven. And the witness shall go forth throughout all the world, and then the end shall come. And that which is invisible shall be made visible. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see these things. So clear, so clear. The promise of the scriptures in the latter days that we would understand. 
great understanding would come on the body of Christ, great revelation of the work of Christ, a revelation that would catapult us in these difficult times to live where he is. For in the world we shall have tribulation, but we can be of good cheer. For I have prepared a place for you that where I am, you may be also. If it were not true, I would have told you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.